0: This is a free download from the at Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. in the Delancey Eden Church building at Le Banks, St Sampson's, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyeam.co.uk. Isaiah 61, and just to share just really a kind of a few thoughts from Isaiah from the first part of Isaiah 61. and Read a few verses, and we'll just see how it goes. I'm not quite sure how far we will get, but we'll, we'll go for it. See how it goes. Again, it's well known, well known scriptures, well known verses. Uh, I just want to, start to get get a hold of some of these great promises in this particular part of Isaiah. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he might be glorified, and awesome I just love what amazing promises right there, promise after promise in that in that chapter aren 't they We could just and you could go on through Isaiah and we may as we go on, we may hopefully go on a, to a few more verses, but they just absolutely just promise after promise now when Isaiah wrote this in isaiah sixty one when he wrote this, he was writing to a people that they were in captivity. This Isaiah 60 to the rest of the, the rest of the chapters there are, are written to the people in captivity. You may remember that because of their sin, because of their idol- idolatry and disobedience, they were taken into captivity. And Isaiah warned them in the other chapters before, and and now he's, if you like, forward in looking, writing, prophesying, speaking to. To, to, to those who are in captivity, and he's given them this amazing promise. People who had lost absolutely everything—they'd lost their, they'd lost their homes, they'd lost their living, they'd lost their land, they'd lost everything. And to these people, Isaiah writes these amazing promises to them. And you may be so aware that 600 years later, Jesus himself read from Isaiah 61. Every time we read those words, we just remind ourselves that Jesus in his hometown, remember that, it's his hometown in Nazareth begins to, the Bible says, he stood up and he began to read it. And then he sat down. It's interesting when they taught in those days, they would actually sit down when they taught. And so he sat down and he began to tell them, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And he's basically saying, you know why I'm preaching sermons, why I'm healing the sick, why I'm raising the dead? He says, because I'm anointed. And it's interesting that when you study Isaiah 61 and you compare it to Luke, Luke 4, Jesus stopped at a certain phrase because Isaiah 61 speaks there of, 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 of the... of the... where am I going? Uh, yeah, the, the, the day, verse 2, the day of the vengeance of our God. Now, Jesus actually stops right there. He stops before there, and he he stops at the point where to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Because there will be a day of God's vengeance. How many realize that? But Jesus had come to bring in a dispensation of grace and mercy. Can you say amen to that? And so he stops right there. The acceptable year of the Lord. And so really, Jesus declares this to be a mandate for his ministry. This is his mandate. This is what he said, I've come to do. This is what I've come to declare. This is what I've come to do in my ministry here on this earth. Isn't it wonderful? To proclaim the good news to poor, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to set captives free, and to declare... The acceptable year of the Lord. What an amazing mandate that Jesus came to bring. Let's just think of a few of those things. He says, the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's going to get a hold of, really. But that same Spirit that was upon Jesus, and he realizes it's upon us. It's, it's upon us. And I think one of the great dangers of the Western church is to must live our life and not to realize and be aware of the Spirit being with us. I think it's awesome that Jesus acknowledged the Spirit of the Lord being with him. He acknowledged that. He lived with, a, with an awareness of the Spirit Of the Lord. And he began to declare it. And often we can live almost our lives on a day-to-day basis. Without without any awareness. Without any consciousness. Of the Spirit of the Lord. Being with us. Can you say amen? And part of the thing that God wants for our lives. Is that we develop. we, we, We develop in our lives a continual conscious awareness. That we live with an awareness that the Spirit of the Lord is with us. Just in our everyday, mundane kind of situations in life, we develop a consciousness that the Spirit of the Lord is with us. Really, that is what communion with the Holy Spirit is all about. The Bible says remember the grace that often we say, the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship what? With the Holy Spirit. Just developing a an awareness, a conscious awareness that he's with me. Not only is he with me, but he is in me. And, I, and part of the way we develop a true understanding of that is we just say, Holy Spirit, today speak to me. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me. Holy Spirit, just strengthen me. Holy Spirit, comfort me. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me today. Thank you that you're going to help me and enable me to, to face these things of today. And so you begin to fellowship and develop this consciousness of he being with us. I'm glad that God's in us, upon us, and is all over us. As I read the the, the Acts of the Apostles, one thing I I become more and more aware of, and I love the Acts of the Apostles, and we love the book, the Acts of the Apostles. The more I read that book, and I see the kind of things they accomplished, how they shook nations, how they did the things that they did, really it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit being with them. It wasn't because they were particularly talented, or had great ability, or they had great even great commitment, really, the real key to it was that they live their life on a day-to-day basis, continually being aware and conscious, the Holy Spirit is with us. And they just followed the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And what we see in the book of Acts, really, is the fruit of what it means to live your life with a conscious awareness of the Spirit of the Lord God upon us. For example, I look at their generosity. That, I mean, you think of that generosity. The Bible says they sold all that they had, and there wasn't anyone in need among them. I don't think that's a pretty powerful testimony right there. But that's the fruit... You can't manufacture that. You can't create that. But when the Holy Spirit is there, generosity is the fruit of the Spirit being there. And all the things that were seen, the healings, the miracles, the, the, the powerful works of God are a fruit of the work of the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord being upon them. Can you say Amen? And Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because, notice this, He has anointed me. I love it. The anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, you think about it. You know what what the word anoint means? Now, we haven't probably had much chance to do it this summer. You know, when you put your sun oil over you, you know, yeah dab yourself, smear yourself with your suntan. That's what simply, we often have kind of of spiritualized this word, but simply it means to smear or to rub over. And really what the word anoint means, it means God smearing or it means to paint over. And anointing really is God on flesh doing only what God can do. I love it. It's being clothed with the ability of God. It's God empowering you to do something, not for yourself, but to do something for someone else in His ability and His power. And here's the amazing thing. Every single believer has a certain measure of the anointing of the Spirit. How many realize that? And the anointing is primarily provided to equip us to live a quality of life that is far above and beyond those in the natural can experience. How powerful! Look at one John. If you kind of aren 't sure about that, but look at one John, one John, the epistle of John, one John, and I just think this is such an amazing truth when he gets to. Really, the anointing is the power of God. It's God's power. God's power to empower you and to equip you what you could not do in the natural. And everybody has an anointing. How many realize that? Look at 1 John 20, verse 27. 1 John 2. Did I say 1 John 2? Say so 1 John 2, verse 27. Good to see you're awake. Not nudge the person next to you and wipe them off. Uh, 1 John 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you've received from him abides in you, and you need not let anyone teach you. Let's don't push that tip. I'm joking. Uh, teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it's taught you, you will abide in him. So right there, everyone has seen, received a measure of the anointing. In other words, it's realizing that, that, that God gives us his anointing, his power, to accomplish the things that he has called us to do. I have to determine this way. See, God has given every one of us a mission impossible. Think about it. The calling and the giftings and and, and the mission God's given to us, in the natural, it's impossible to do it. And that's why He gives us the anointing to accomplish what we could not do in our own natural selves and our own natural power. I just love, I think of Mary. That's an amazing story in Luke 2, where where she gets this amazing promise. And and the angel comes to her and says, You're going to have a child. And she thinks, how on earth is this going to ever happen? How can this come to pass? How can this really happen? And the angel says to her, because the Holy Ghost will clothe you. The Holy Ghost will be upon you. That's how you will accomplish it. And maybe right now you're facing an impossible situation. And you wonder, how can that impossible situation come to pass? I'll tell you how the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's how the impossible situation will come to pass because of the anointing, because of the power of the Spirit. It produces victory in your life. And here's the point, without the anointing, we're never going to really be effective. We're never going to be really successful. And we realize that's why we need the anointing. Is that right? We need the anointing to face the challenges, especially in the days in which which we live. You know, one John, The epistle of John is really written to, to strengthen Christians who are facing persecution. What an incredible key. He's basically saying, the way that you're going to face the challenges and the persecution that's going to come is because the anointing of God is going to be there. That's going to empower you to do what is impossible to do. How many of you have ever read Fox's Books of Martyrs? <laughs> it might not be the most encouraging book that you read, but there's an amazing story, in it? And one of the stories talk about people when they were going into the flames to be, to be, to be martyred. And often they would say, if the Lord is strong enough, if the Lord is faithful enough, then kind of put your finger up, basically. Or I think put, your, put, put a finger up to, to show the Lord is strong enough for that situation. And right there in the flames, they just raise two hands. to say, yeah, the Lord is sufficient even for this. Isn't that amazing? How do they do it? Because the anointing empowered them to do that kind of stuff. And that's the same for you. Whatever you're facing right now, you have an anointing from the Holy One who will lead you, who will guide you, who will strengthen you, who will empower you for every single thing that life brings against you. Amen. Remember you know the purpose of the anointing really. After all, it's all for His glory. Amen. You know what the Bible says? God doesn't glory in the flesh at all. He doesn't have any glory in the flesh. But what he does glory in is when people are dependent on the anointing of the Spirit. Because from that, he gets all the glory. Because people realize it's not of us. We, can't, we couldn't have done that. But it's him that's done it. By his anointing, it's been achieved. And so God, through that, always gets all the glory. I kind of feel more and more in the days in which we're living that what God's working in many hearts is this sense of motivation. Of why we do what we do. Sometimes you can do the right thing, but with the wrong motive. <laughs> and I think what God's beginning to stir and grip people's hearts with is a desire for his glory. It's amazing how much you achieve in life when you do it for his glory. When you do it for you, it kind of never really succeeds or never really bears much fruit. But when you do it for his glory, God will anoint that, amen? He'll anoint it. An amazing things kind of happen when you live... Your life for his glory. Now, what the anointing does, and it's kind of one of the words for anointing, uh, basically, it's the unction. That's another word, unction. And it's unction for function. I like that term. Unction for function. In other words, whatever God has called you to do, he anoints you to do it. And I think that covers such an incredible... Ways of life. The, the, the only way you function as a believer is by his anointing. By his anointing. The Bible says that when the anointing came upon Saul, he became as another man. And I term the anointing, really, it's like having petrol, not having petrol in your car. You know, you could have a Rolls Royce. And if you have, hello friend. I mean, no, you could have a Rolls Royce. You could have the most amazing car in the world. But that car will not be empowered and that car will not go anywhere without petrol. Is that right? And that's the same with the anointing. We're never going to be empowered. We're never going to do all that God has called us to do. We're never going to fulfill our function unless it's by the anointing of the Spirit. And I think often the reason why people can be apathetic and insecure and fearful because they've never fully grasped or understood, I've got an anointing upon my life. I've got the anointing. The anointing of the Lord is upon me. He's anointing me for a function. It's almost that when the anointing—I know if you've ever experienced this, and I'm sure most of you have—that it's amazing what happens when the anointing kicks in. You know, you're just witnessing for some to somebody, and suddenly the anointing kicks in, and suddenly you find words coming that you didn't kind of think were there, and and, and you find yourself saying things that amaze you. Thoughts come, and, and I think that covers all dimensions of our life. You know, we're anointed in all kinds of levels and all kinds of dimensions. You can be anointed to be a parent. I'm so glad for the anointing. But I like to look back, I like to look back how, you know, with our children, all our kids, and I can actually look back and think, God, thank you that you anointed me to be a parent. Even in my weaknesses, like it was the anointing that enabled me to kind of parent. I think you can be anointed to be the wife, to be the husband you're called to be. and Wise is saying, Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Uh, but you know, God empowers you. God takes something that is natural and becomes supernatural in your marriage because God anoints us to, He anoints us in that level. God anoints us, I think God can anoint you in the marketplace, in your workplace. God can anoint you. To be an incredible employee in your job in the marketplace. I think God anoints people in business. I really often see that often as a, as a, a supernatural working of God to equip and enable people to be people in the marketplace, to be people in business, to be people in a profession. So it, it covers a whole realm of things. The anointing, I'm really glad for, for that anointing to enable you to function. And to be all that God has called you to be. The Spirit of the Lord. The anointing is upon me. And when a person is hooked up and fully submitted to that anointing, you'll be amazed what that person can achieve and do. The Spirit of the Lord. The anointing of the Lord is upon me. Now, it's interesting that every time you see oil It's always compared to anointing. He has anointed my head with oil. So often, oil is a symbolic of the anointing. And that's a great symbol because one thing about oil is it flows. In other words, when you get into the flow, you'll find his anointing come. In other words, when you find what your calling is, when you find what God has called you to do, When you obey what he's placed on your heart to do, and you begin to step out and and you obey that, there's a a flow of the anointing to do it. You don't feel you're doing it in your own power. You don't feel you're doing it in your own strength. You're not struggling and striving to do it. It's almost when the anointing is there, there's a flow there, and in one sense it becomes kind of easy. You know, I love the musicians there. I mean, you get me up there with a guitar, and i will be i be sweating, i will be would be absolutely falling apart because I'm not anointed to do that. You know, give me probably a class of kids for five or six, and I'll be I'll be pulling my hair out. I'll be you know I'll be needing I'll be needing help quickly. How many would feel that? But there are people who are anointed to work with children, and to them, it's in a sense easy. They they, they flow with it. Because that's the calling, and because they're following the calling, God's anointing them to achieve it and doing that. Covers all kinds of other realms. Let me show you one other thing Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. I want to tell you there's a certain law the theologians kind of tell us about, and they call it the law of first mention. In other words, whenever you see something first mentioned, Whenever you see something first mentioned, it sets a precedent for the whole Bible. It's like a precedent that is set when it's first mentioned. And it is the first mention of the Spirit of the Lord. And you see to Genesis 1-2, just the latter half of verse 2. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And notice this. It's like, it is that picture of all again. It's flowing. God's Spirit is a moving Spirit. And I love to think that when God's Spirit, when God's anointing comes upon you, it empowers you to move. He moves you from faith to faith. From glory to glory, from failure to success, from prison to the palace, from indifference to passion, from insecurity to security, from inability to ability, to powerlessness to powerfulness, out of intimidation, out of low self-esteem. The anointing, Isaiah 10 tells us, the anointing what shall destroy what the yoke. The anointing or in Hebrew actually actually means annihilates, crushes to powder. A yoke is something you're kind of connected to that restrains you, that controls you, that holds you. That's what the that's where a yoke is. And I think people can live their life with all kinds of yokes in life. Maybe yokes that are placed on them through their environment. People said all kinds of things and And words that were spoken over your life became like a yoke around your neck. And every time you try to step out, every time you try to fulfill what God's called you to do, the words that were spoken over your life are like a videotape that keeps playing over and over and over and over. And they're like a yoke that holds you and binds you. People can have yokes of insecurity, yokes of fear. And what those yokes do... Is they hold you back in life? You can have yokes of your past where you remember the failure and the disappointment, and it's like a yoke that, that holds you back. It stops you from moving into what God's got you got for your life, and it's a, a yoke that binds you and holds you. Let me ask you this: I always, I think it's a good question to ask. Think of some of those things right now in your life, and you look at them. So that's your yoke, and ask yourself this question. What would my life be like if that yoke wasn't there? If that fear wasn't there, what could I really do for God? If that guilt wasn't there, that kind of condemnation wasn't there, that failure of the past wasn't there, that situation, that mistake I made, I still... Kind of live with. How different would your life be if that yoke didn't exist? Here's this great promise. The anointing shall destroy the yoke. That yoke that distorts that view of yourself. That yoke that controls your personality. That yoke that kind of makes you even crave for attention. The Bible says, the anointing shall destroy the yoke. And that's why in 1 John 20 says, we know we have this anointing from the Holy One. And it's almost living you alive and saying, Lord, thank you. That there is an anointing. There is the power to break that yoke that's affecting and limiting my life. when you say amen? So let's quickly move on. Just, this is because it's powerful. So Jesus said. The reason why. I'm able to do. What God has called me to do. Is because the spirit. Of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. He's poured his power upon me. I want you to see something. He's actually saying that. The anointing actually produces something. Things happen because of the anointing. He's declaring the purpose. And here's the first purpose he says the anointing was upon him for. He says to preach the gospel. That word gospel there, the word preach there means an outward demonstration, an outward proclamation. He says... The anointing of the Lord is upon me to help me to proclaim and declare the good news. I'm many glad the gospel is good news? I want you to say the gospel is absolutely, amazingly good news. You'll never fully share the gospel until you realize how good it is. I think sometimes because we see it not as particularly good news, that we, we don't want to share because it doesn't seem good news. But once it grips your heart, this is absolutely amazing news. This is the greatest news a person can ever hear that your sins can be forgiven, that you can be rightly related to God, that God can do amazing things in your life and give you a purpose and a destiny. How many say that's good news? And so Jesus said, I'm anointed to proclaim amazingly good news. I don't feel you ever feel, one of the greatest times of anointing you can ever feel is when you share the good news of Jesus to somebody. It's almost something of God's presence is just there. I just love it you just feel God's presence and it's amazing when you begin to share it how other things begin to come I mean just a few weeks ago uh, this girl came to the house and asked us to go to their house to pray in the house because she felt there was some she called them bad vibes and she felt there was some sort of evil in the house if you want to describe it that way and so I think I took Steph with me actually. I think so we went there and we went to the house and we prayed in the house and uh, then I went back about a few days we went back again it's that, you know, shared with them it's, she said, oh yeah, the house seems a lot better and I began to share with her she said, you know what, you think about it if there's something evil then there must be something amazingly good at the same time and we began to share with her about Jesus and the love of Jesus and the moment I began to share that all kinds of things began to come to my mind I began to speak into this girl's life prophetic words began to come and I was able to speak and say all kinds of things into this girl's life that I would not have naturally been aware of but the anointing came as I began to share the good news of Jesus and I think you're going to find that in amazing ways. As you begin to share the good news of Jesus, his anointing begins to come and empower you. Words that seem just so, so powerless, actually, can have incredible impact on people's hearts and lives. Why? Because the Lord's anointed me to preach the gospel. you say "Amen." Here's something else I've gone all down now. Here's the next one. He's anointed me. Notice it also, incidentally, he says, to preach the gospel to the poor. You know what? It's interesting, isn't it? That, and that word poor means people in lack. Isn't it interesting? It's when people are in a point of need, they're more open to the gospel. Is that right? Often when people think they've got their lives together, sometimes it's very hard for the gospel to penetrate that kind of heart. But when people are in a point where everything's fallen apart in their life and that they realize there's a great need in their life, I mean, you realize you, you're never going to really see a need for a saviour until you see you need to be saved. And so the anointing begins to bring people to a place of awareness of how much they need a saviour. You can say amen. Next thing, very quickly, he's anointing me to heal the broken hearted. And that word broken hearted there, there means fragmented into pieces. It means a, a violent shattering like a glass being shattered. And often when we become wounded, we get blocked on the inside. We don't function as we know we should function because there's a, this pain, this block inside our lives. And broken heart, can come through rejection. It can come through abuse. It can come through some traumatic experience. It can come through unforgiveness. And we go through a painful experience and it leaves us broken. But Jesus says, I'm anointed. And if we allow His anointing to touch our lives, that empowering from God can heal the broken hearted. Can you say amen? It takes the work of the cross and it brings it into our daily experience. Where we're broken, where we feel shattered on the inside, where we're disappointed and things have shattered our hearts, the anointing comes onto the broken heart and puts it back together again. Amen? There's the next one. Time's Liberty to the captives. And he's talking to people who have been disinherited. When you, when you went into captivity, you became disinherited. You lost your home. You lost absolutely everything. And you were in captivity. You were under somebody else's control. And Jesus said, I've come to set prisoners free. There could be prisons of guilt, prisons of bitterness, prisons of unforgiveness, prisons of fear. And Jesus said, I've come to declare liberty. You don't have to stay bound anymore. Because the anointing can set you free. I think the one thing about Jesus is, is you know, I believe the Word of God is anointed. I don't believe that. Not just words in a book. Not just some clever ideas as somebody wrote down. The Word of God is anointed. And I'll tell you why it's Anointed. Because often God can just take a word and speak it right into your heart, right into your life, right into your circumstances. And it changes your life. Jesus says, the words I speak to you, the spirit and their life. The words I say are alive. They have the ability to produce life. They have the ability to set captives free. And the lights are going out. So very quickly. Is that a sign? I don't know. Like, someone sort of like bringing the coats out. Time to go now. Here's the coats. I don't know if that was the sign or something. Okay. Let me just finish a couple of them. Recovery of sight to the blind. That speaks of physical healing. I think it also speaks where when our eyes are open. You begin to see things you never saw before. Your, your spiritual perception comes through anointing. Then he says, The acceptable year of the Lord. You know what the acceptable year of the Lord is? It's the year of jubilee. The year of jubilee. On the 50th year, what they call jubilee, when all your debts were paid. I mean, like that one. All your debts were paid off. Slaves went free. The land was restored back. And Jesus says the year, the acceptable of the year has come. It's no longer a calendar year, but it's in a person. And the Bible says when he said that, they were so mad. They wanted to stone him, throw him off a hill. You know why that was? Because he said that, that this is fulfilled in your hearing right here and now. And that's the amazing thing. Through the anointing, what I'm saying to you this morning is available here and now. Not sometime in a distant future. It's available here and now. The year, the acceptable year, the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. No longer are you need to be a slave to your past. No longer a slave to your struggles. No longer a slave to your fears. Because the Lord is anointed to declare, this is your year, amen. The acceptable year, the year of favor. Amen, amen, glad about it. Favor, God's favor, undeserved blessing on your life. The year of the Lord's favor that comes through Jesus Christ. There's so much more I could say. And time has come, I'm so annoyed about that. But let me just give you one more. Is that all right? Just one more. I like this one. Is I will give you beauty for ashes. I think that's such a powerful, powerful description. Beauty for ashes. In other words, he takes all the bad stuff so that we can receive all the good stuff. He takes all the bad stuff on the cross. All the pain. All the rejection. All the sickness. He takes it all on himself on the cross so he can give you the good stuff, beauty for ashes. But here's the point: He can't give you beauty until you, first of all, give him your ashes. A couple of well, a couple of weeks ago now, I think I shared this that we 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 actually uh, I took a, a service. For, we took a service for for the for, for the ashes of Angie's nephew a few just a few weeks ago. And it a beautiful place where those ashes were placed. Beautiful place, really, really beautiful place. You know what? Once those ashes were scattered, there's no way you can take those ashes back. You know, there's stories. It's kind of it's amazing, but people actually keep kind of ashes of animals. Do you know that? Of their dogs, all kinds of stuff. People often keep ashes. But spiritually speaking, we give our ashes to Him. If we hold on to our ashes, He can't give us beauty. But the moment we give our ashes to Him. He says, for, for, for the ashes of life, for, for those things that have really burnt us. Those things that have really affected us and burnt us. Those experiences of life that have burnt burn us. He says, I will take the ashes of life, those things that have burnt your life, and I'll make some beautiful out of them. That's what God does. And I love to hear testimonies that people have gone through, a real burning experience in life. Just amazing, painful, burning experience. And everything before them just seemed ashes, really. And God began to do something amazing. And their lives began to be touched and transformed. And years later, as I look back on their life, this is their testimony, God has taken my ashes and made something awesome, something beautiful out of them. Let me close with this. This brings it all together, really. Go back to Isaiah 53. I want you to see something. Isaiah 61. Fits in what I just said there, verse 64. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. Who's going to rebuild the old ruins? who does it say is going to rebuild the old ruins? The desolate places, the places that have been desolate and just torn apart. Who's going to rebuild it? The brokenhearted. Those who had ashes. Those who, who are captive. God's going to take those people, put the anointing on them, and they're going to be the ones that rebuild and restore and bring his blessing and his, bring his favor. How many have heard story after story of people? I think of people maybe who are on drugs, drug background, lives devastated, broken by drugs. And the power of the, of the anointing, the anointing of the Lord came upon them. And they go right back into that kind of environment and begin to win people for Christ. They begin to go back into what was desolate and broken and begin to change the whole environment because the spirit of the law is upon them and they're back into places of desolation and restoring and renewing and bringing it back to its rightful place. Amen. That's what God wants to do with us. I've seen people who maybe struggle with incredible depression, really heavy depression, And God began to deliver them and work in their life and anoint them. They began to discover keys. And the keys they discovered were the keys that helped others come out of their depression. I think it's more like Joyce Meyer. Remember her testimony? Incredible abuse as she went through. And now she has incredible ministry of of ministering to to people who have come from abusive situations. Beauty for ashes, Amen. And that's what God does all the time. All of us, at some point in our life, we can look back and say, actually, there are some ashes in my life. But God can take those ashes, put anointing on them, and what was your greatest weakness can actually become your greatest strength. Why? Because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Let's just stand as we come before him right now. I've not got time to go into the the garment of praise, there's an amazing one. There's so many beautiful things in that chapter. I encourage you to go back and just read over it and Another one, double recompense. All kinds of great promises there. I encourage you to look back and read those things. Let's just come before him right now in these moments. And I just want you to wait right where you are. To offer him your ashes, to offer him various things. Or maybe you're here today and say, you know what, I'm just yearning for the anointing of God. I want God to increase. I want God to anoint me. Not just for the feeling's sake, but so I can be someone that preaches and proclaims good news. and I can reach out to the broken hearted. I can reach out to people who are who are held captive in life and I don't think you have to look very far to look for broken hearted people. You don't have to look very far to find people who are captivated by something. People who are mourning over something. They're all around us, all around us. People with incredible pain and hurt and needs. But God can anoint you to reach into those lives and see those lives transformed and changed. So I want to reach out to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I need your anointing. That's where it begins, when you really see your need to be anointed. When you see all the stuff, all the pain, all the brokenness, all the heartache we see around us continually. And something just moves you and you're full of compassion. And you say, God, I really want to reach out and touch those people, but it seems impossible. I can't do it in my natural ability. And God will remind you, that's why I've sent you the anointing for I've anointed you because the same anointing that God placed upon Jesus, the amazing truth this morning is anointed you as well. In fact, the word Christ means the anointed one. Christ in you, the hope of glory to come. Christ and his anointing. I can do all things through Christ, through him and his anointing. So just open your heart right now. Say, Lord, pour your anointing on me today. Anoint me, Lord. Anoint me afresh. Anoint me with you. David says, anoint me with fresh oil. It's gone stagnant. Give me fresh oil. The oil's run out. It's worn down. Anoint me with fresh oil. So lift your heart to the Lord right now. And I'm just going to pray God will just pour His anointing on you. In a wonderful way. God, anoint people here just to touch broken and Hurting captives, people who need to be set free. And where we feel so afraid and maybe in a natural fearful. Yet when the anointing comes, it brings an incredible boldness and strength. How many really glad you're not left in your own devices and your own power to do it? Father, we just come to you today, and we want to thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We want to thank you, Lord, that we are not left to do things in our own power and our own strength. And we would come to you today, God. We are a needy people. Lord, and I pray for myself and I pray for every brother and sister here this morning. I pray, God, that you would anoint them with fresh oil. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be upon them. You would anoint them, Lord. Anoint them, Lord, to, to do things that would amaze them, to do things beyond natural ability and natural power to touch and to reach out to, to, all, to all kinds of people around that they meet in everyday lives. I pray even for those, Lord. I pray for people in the workplace. I pray for people in all various ways that, Lord, you'd anoint them, Father God. You'd anoint them in all the various callings that exist in this building. Lord, we pray for anointing. We pray for anointing. Anoint us, Lord, for everything you've called us to do that we may achieve it. For your glory and your honour, we pray. And we declare over our lives that surely the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. To heal the broken hearted. To give sight to the blind. To set the captives free. And to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.